Welcome, friends, to Vatican U, your weekly walk through the teachings of the church smack dab in the middle of everyday life on Breadbox Media. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and on our blog, vaticanu.blogspot.com. But you found us right now, however you found us, by radio or podcast or everything else. And welcome to our Realizing the Mystery edition, where we'll be talking about the sacred mystery of the Eucharist. Later today, we'll be... What are we doing today, Father Alan? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't either. We don't know. That, that started out pretty good, and then I realized I don't even know what I'm talking about. Well, we got Pop Quiz Hot Shot in our third segment. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah. Who's up today? Hey. Guess what, Father Chris? I'm guessing that's me. <laughs> Surprise! Yay! Oh, this will be fun. <laughs> oh, and we've got Father Sean, who's with us today from the Vatican U Research Labs in Blooming Grove, Indiana. Father Sean, are you there? Hopefully I'm here. There's been some internet connectivity issues. Research labs do not have bandwidth, but I'm a hangs to can. Yeah, it's really a very sophisticated game of uh, tin cans. So Father Sean has this very sophisticated can of beans that he cleaned out really well and tied a string to it, and then that's roped up to the closest Internet connection, right? That's pretty much it. <laughs> but he's out there with Eamon, and they're working <laughs> on something uh, to be incredibly helpful and hilarious for our listeners that may come out in this show or another one. So uh, It's a secret project right now. We're hard ah. to work at it, but it is... It is a secret project. I gotcha. Father Chris, you were saying that today has been an incredible day for you. How are things in the Toledo area? Well, uh, it's actually a beautiful day in the Diocese of Toledo. Uh, but, you know, life has been uh, just really busy with all the parts and, and moving pieces that are, are happening up here. It's wonderful. I wouldn't have it any other way. It keeps me out of trouble. Keeps you out of trouble. Somehow, I okay, I'm not going to say that. Okay, wait, but to be fair, of the four of us, you're the one that stays out of trouble the most. I would agree with that. I'm I'm a little biased, but sure, I'll agree with that. Uh, Father Jerry, what's going on with you? Oh, let's see. I'm just wake coming up, off of up. a very, very busy week. Lots of meetings in the parishes. What? I just said, wake up, wake up. Hello? <laughs> Keep going. I don't lots know what's meetings. happening. You have lots of meetings in the parishes. Oh, lots of meetings, lots, lots of marriage operations, marriage, uh, wedding rehearsals, and all that jazz. Mm. The busy life of a priest. There you go. Well, we've got a great addition today. The um, I forget how we called it. Realizing the Mystery, is that it? Realizing the Mystery edition? Uh, we're looking at Sacrosanctum Concilium. We've moved to the second chapter now. and <laughs> It's like a sense of accomplishment, huh? You know, that, that's about right. It usually takes me eight weeks to get through a chapter of anything. <laughs> well, we've moved to the second chapter, which has the title, The Most Sacred Mystery of the Eucharist. And so this week we'll be looking at this beautiful meditation that's written by the Council Fathers in paragraphs 47 through 49. And then in our next show, we'll look at the decrees or the decisions and actions that the Council wanted to take uh, as a part of that. So that's that's this week and next week sort of in highlight. But before we get started with all that, Father Jerry, uh, would you lead us in a word of prayer and get us started on a good foot? Absolutely. 
Friends, let's begin our time with prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your church. We thank you for the gift of the Eucharist. We ask, Lord, that you will be with us in this time as we reflect upon these documents that the fathers of the Second Vatican Council have given us so that we might come to know that great gift and the mystery uh, of your love that we find in the Eucharist on a deeper level. Bless us and bless all of our listeners. We thank you for all these things that you have given us, and we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, let's uh, we'll jump into our two-minute drill, and um, because I didn't have the production notes ready except for five minutes before we started recording, I, I assigned the, the two-minute drill to Father Jerry. Is that okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. I can make something up. That's fine. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. So I took the two-minute drill because I hadn't been able to give anybody the heads up on it. And in Chapter 2 of Sancrosanctum Concilium, we find that it's devoted to the most sacred mystery of the Eucharist. And it begins with a beautiful meditation on the Eucharistic liturgy that I think is worthy of reading and meditating upon. And if if my host will excuse me for a second, I, I want to editorialize just a minute and, and say, uh, before I say anything else, here's a concrete suggestion to our readers, and it'll only take 10 minutes of your day to do this. I encourage you to go online and search for either Sacrosanctum Concilium or the Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy, those are the same thing. And then you'll find the document we're talking about in these First Vatican U podcasts, and then I encourage you to read paragraphs 47 through 49, and actually even pray with these paragraphs, and let them inform for you the way that you experience the realities of the Eucharist. And I especially say this if you're someone that's been away from the Church for a while, or someone who struggles to find meaning and beauty in the Mass— just take this risk with me. You're only investing 10 minutes. Look up these paragraphs and read them and see if they're going to invite you to take a second look at the Mass. Okay, enough of the editorial. In these paragraphs, the Council Fathers remind us that the Mass itself was instituted by Jesus Christ on the night he was betrayed as a real sacrifice, an offering up of his body and blood, and that Jesus did entrust the, the continuation of the sacrifice to the Church, his beloved spouse, as a way for us to recall his death and resurrection until Jesus Christ himself returns to us. The Eucharist, the Council Fathers remind us, is to be for us a sacrament of love, a sign of unity, and a bond of charity that is filled with grace. And in the sacrifice, each of us find a pledge, a real promise, of the future glory that Jesus has won for us. Because of all that, and that's a lot if you stop to think about it, and I hope you do. Because of all that, the Church greatly desires that all of us, all the faithful, lay, religious, clergy, all of us, should not be present at the Mass as strangers or silent spectators, but that working to understand what's happening in the rites and the prayers, we would, all of us, take part in the sacred action, conscious of what we're doing, with devotion and with full collaboration. That's what will truly allow each of us to be instructed by God's Word and nourished by His body in the Eucharist. Approaching the liturgy in this way, each understanding what we're doing, the celebration of the mysteries will truly draw us, day by day, into ever more perfect union with God and with each other, so that finally God will be all in all. It's a great phrase the Council gave us. 
This beautiful reality, these sacred, holy, and real mysteries are what's on the church's mind when she makes the decrees regarding the Eucharist that we'll discuss next week. But they remind us that everything the Council Fathers did was so that the sacrifice of the Mass may have full pastoral efficacy. In other words, so that the celebration of the sacred mysteries might actually accomplish the goals of the Good Shepherd himself, who left us this great gift, who loves us, cares for us, tends us, and calls us to himself. And I'm afraid that I may have gone a little over two minutes, but there's our two-minute drill for this week. Yay! Very nice. I was like, yeah, I put all of my co-hosts to sleep. What in the world did I do to our listeners? <laughs> I hope no one's listening to this in the car while they're driving. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> oh. I no. just... As I was encountering these, I'm like, wow, you could just pray with those paragraphs over and over. No, I, I agree, Father Alan, and I, I think that's maybe where you kind of stumped us, you know. Even though even though we read this ahead of time, we were looking at it, you know, just hearing it again, it just, you know, so many different parts strike the hearts of a Catholic, not just the hearts of a priest, um, in so many beautiful ways. So I think maybe you caught us off guard with your stunning presentation, not not really put us to sleep. I love the way you spin things. That's awesome. But also, we hope that uh, you know you didn't put anyone into. I'm going to second what you said. Yeah. Say, so, but maybe you put some people into beautiful contemplation while they're driving, which is still dangerous. So we don't want that. <laughs> we definitely don't want it. I, I just wasn't prepared. Again, you know, I've looked at this document a thousand times. I, I wasn't prepared. Like even as I was laying it out, I'm like, we probably ought to do half the decrees because these are just a couple of paragraphs of fluff. But they're not really fluff, are they? I mean, there's amazing stuff there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think of all the different different pieces in there, and we can get into that in our next segment. But, you know, just every every little phrase that you mentioned, every little phrase that you underlined could, in a way, be its own evening at an RCIA presentation. Could it be its own evening at a series on the Eucharist? I mean, every little bit packed in here is just, it's so full and beautiful yeah um i'm looking forward to uh to greg and fold so friends did you know that you could be part of this show you can search for vatican new on facebook find us on our blog at vaticanradio.blogspot.com post your comments share your questions and be part of this weekly walk through the teachings of the church vatican new on bread box media for the journey we'll be right back Hi, folks. Welcome back to this Realizing the Mystery edition of Vatican U on Breadbox Media. Breadbox Media, your source for all you need for bread for the journey. Vatican U is a weekly walk through the teachings of the church, and this week we're looking at the second chapter of Sacrosanctum Concilium, paragraphs 47 through 49, a real beautiful uh, meditation on uh, the most sacred mystery of the Eucharist. A little later on in our show, we're going to be hitting up Father Chris for our Father Chris for our pop quiz hotshot segment. But right now, my fellow hosts and I are going to talk a little bit about those early paragraphs. What a horrible introduction, huh, folks? No, that was pretty good. Oh, nice. Do you mean your two-minute drill? (laughs) 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 
Was it one of the uh, Spanish mystics, the one who said something to the effect of that prayer is like sleep, where uh, your what is it? Your your body is at rest and your mind is at ease, or something. So, Father Allen, you're just kind of helping us blur that line a little bit between uh, prayer and sleep. Uh, well, I really do. I I really do hope that's just a reflection of uh, again the the sort of meditative nature of these paragraphs. It kind of kind of stuck out from some of the way you know the the tone of the other things we've been reading, huh? Yeah, it, it's very very different, Father Allen. You know, everything we've read so far seem to be very instructive or very practical. And all of a sudden we're just kind of thrown into a meditative piece, kind of a, a step back, if you will, to look at, okay, well, what is it we're doing? And it's, it's a very beautiful part of the document. And, you know, not to skip ahead to future weeks, but looking ahead to future weeks, it gets right back to that practical and a lot more to that, how to implement. But this is kind of like the, the nugget in the midst of things that just talks about the beautiful elements of the Eucharist. Yeah. And you know, one of the practical things that we might take away just from watching the flow of the document that the council fathers gave us is, um, you know, sometimes we can get so bogged down in what we are doing or not doing in the liturgy that we, that we fail to make use of the Catholic imagination that we've talked about before. And, you know, even that beautiful image of the disputation of the Eucharist where we see the mystical realities that are present around the altar when we're celebrating it. The Council Fathers seem to have themselves intentionally given a moment of pause to um, bring close to their hearts the, the mysterious realities before they get back down to the practical work at hand. And maybe that's something that all of us can do um, in our approach to, to all of the sacraments. Um, rather than getting so focused in the details, make sure that we're taking a pause to focus on the broader mysterious realities. Uh, I know that Father Sean and Father Jerry are both having uh, tin can string problems. Let's see if we've got a chance to to hear their thoughts um, uh, on, on this part of the document. Father Allen, I think the uh, the point that you bring up is um, very similar. So far in the document, we've gone and talked about very practical things, sort of pressing a reset and say, now hold on a second. We can talk about the practical things, but what really is, and it is about this, this mystery of the Eucharist, it is about the mystical thing that's happening before us. So it has done a spirit of prayer and reflection, and not just simply the practice of preparing for the liturgy. Very good. Father Jerry, mm -hmm. are you able to join us and, and think a little bit about that too? Yeah, the, the neat thing about Kind of where we are right now, I think we're getting right into the like. I think one of you said like the the nugget, or maybe I'm just imagining a chicken nugget right now because I haven't <laughs> had lunch yet. I don't know, but the 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 Eucharist is as as we know the source and summit of our faith. So it is that central point that the the center of the wheel. And what we've been doing so far is just kind of talking about the you know the outside area the the edges um and and we're coming into that and i think it's awesome to really focus um on this next movement that we're going into on the source and summit the the center of of what we're all about and you know the liturgy directs us whether it's it's the liturgy of the hours or uh, whatever you know uh, adoration it all kind of directs us towards the eucharist um that reality that christ is present with us and the mystery of of how he's present with us and the mystery of how he sends us out 
with his presence to be his presence out in the world. So I think this is um, this is pretty amazing what we've got here in these uh, couple paragraphs. And there are some themes here that we've already heard about, you know, from the very beginning. I remember as we were talking about the first couple of paragraphs in the whole document overall and reminding us that that was about the whole effort of the council. But, you know, um, Jerry, you mentioned it. Source and Summit is kind of in here, even though those words aren't used. And even full conscious and active participation, those ideas are in here. But I love the way they say it. When we're present at this mystery of faith, we shouldn't be there as strangers or silent spectators. Um, and, you know, regardless of what mm. role we play in the liturgy, it's easy to go through the motions. It takes a real act of the will uh, for the priest and for the deacon and for the servers and the music ministers, but also for the faithful. It takes a real act of the will to say, this is the ministry that I'm going to participate in in the liturgy this week. Here's what my role is. But I'm not going to do that as a stranger or a silent spectator. Uh, I'm going to do that conscious of what I'm doing with devotion and full collaboration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Later on in that paragraph, it talks about how to participate to the hands of the priest, but also with him. Um, and then it goes on to say that they should learn also to offer themselves through Christ the Mediator. And that makes me think of the, the recent retranslation of the Roman Missal, where the end of the offertory, the priest says, pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours. And when I when that new translation came out, I was really excited because I thought it underscored that idea that there are different ways in which we're participating, mass, but we're all participating together. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that full collaboration. I think, Father Sean, that you're talking about, you know, there, there are so many ways. It's beautiful. It's vertical and it's horizontal and it's 360 degrees in a circle. Each person in the liturgy is supposed to collaborate fully, meaning with their whole self, they're collaborating and also meaning they're collaborating with every other sort of moving piece in the liturgy. And so, you know, one member of the faithful is collaborating with whoever's next to them in the pew. And both of those members of the faithful are collaborating with the servers and the deacon and the priest. All of us ultimately, though, and that's one of the beautiful things about this mystery of the liturgy, all of us are ultimately collaborating in the sacrifice of praise that Christ himself offers to the Father at the altar in heaven. You know, in Eucharistic Prayer 1, there's a moment that people might recognize by the bow that the priest makes, where we where we claim the reality that, you know, the, the angel from the altar on high, where Christ is presiding, come down and take the bread that we've offered, that it might become an offering at the altar in heaven. And in that transaction, then, we receive the body that, and blood of Christ that he first offered at the at the first Eucharist and is offering to the Father now. And just that phrase, full collaboration, if if we can bring ourselves to be present to that in the liturgy, that brings us to devotion. Absolutely, Father Alan. You know, the the part that I'm thinking too is, you know, even in that that first paragraph, paragraph forty seven, the the words themselves seem they seem almost like titles of hymns or titles of things that we could be offering. I mean, we hear about Eucharistic sacrifice. We talk about the sacrifice of the cross, the sacrament of love, the sign of unity, the bond of charity, the Paschal banquet. I mean, all of those things bring up all of those things you're talking about, Father Alan, that that worship around the heavenly 
throne, that pointing us towards something greater than ourselves. And then we're called to be part of it, not just as a stranger, certainly not as a silent spectator, but with full collaboration. And I, I think that's maybe why we're so caught up in this this mystery, the profound nature of these words. Yeah. And, you know, that's the that's the the title of this edition, right? Realizing the Mystery. We know in faith that all of these realities are present when we gather around the altar. But to realize them sort of in our life, it requires each of us to do something. Now, the Council of Fathers do their part We'll see next week in the decrees that they make and the in the choices they make to try to help us reach those goals. But a very practical thing that all of us can do is try to use our wills to bring us to that place where we can realize that that uh, that mystery. And I think we can talk about this more in, in a future segment. But one of the things that I'm mindful of right now is that you know um, the liturgy should always be a sign of unity and a bond of charity. But I know there are times for me when um, what divides us becomes present at liturgy, and that's a real uh, a real practical goal for me to say, no, wait a minute, I need to put those things out of my mind and live the sign of unity and the bond of charity in the expression of the sacred mysteries. Mm-hmm. I keep thinking about, I don't know if you guys, uh, Father Allen and Father Chris will remember, um, <clears throat> the song that Father Dennis wrote the lyrics to uh, oh, in yeah. seminary, uh, Worship and Adore. And that's that's what these, these paragraphs are making me think about, the text of that song uh, that, you know, just really gets to, to what we're talking about here. Absolutely. Well, folks, we've just tried to wrap up paragraphs 47 through 49 of Sacrosanctum Concilium, really realizing how much there is there. So we're going to take a little break so we can think about that a little more. In our next segment, we're going to play Pop Quiz Hotshot, where all of our listeners will find out just how scatterbrained I am and see if I can answer some basic questions about the faith. Uh, uh, And finally, we'll have the chance for Father Sean to give us the last, last word of the day in our final segment, probably because it'll take a while for Tim Cans to get the message to reach that far, so we'll let him go last. (laughs) <laughs> you've been you've been listening to Vatican U. If you want to join the conversation, uh, search for us on Facebook, find our blog spot, or check out this and many other shows at breadboxmedia.com. You know well I'm a chicken fried. Cold beer on a Friday night A pair of jeans that fit just right And the radio Hello friends and welcome back to Vatican U Radio We're really excited that you've joined us And you're staying with us into this next uh, section of our show we got some exciting things coming up But before we get into that I just want to remind you that our show is available on iTunes In addition to uh, being able to find us on our blog And on Facebook Like us on Facebook But if you do listen to us through iTunes Consider leaving a review if you get something out of the show, appreciate your review for helping us reach more listeners, hopefully not scandalizing them too much. We're really excited that you're back with us because we have our pop quiz hot shot segment <laughs> where we get to test each and score our answers. Um, in the hot seat today is Father Chris, who doesn't know the question yet. He got no pre-warning at all, not even during the break, as much as he was begging Father Allen 
It's given him some clue. We resist it, but here we are. Ready. Um, Father Alan, Father Jerry, and myself will be scoring him on a couple of different things after he gives the answer. But first, we need the question. Father Chris, are you ready for the question? I'm ready. I tell you. All right, I, Father Alan. I, I really remember because, you know, I think if I remember, Father Sean was in the hot seat for the first time that we played this little game. And I remember Father Chris's score was a pretty good score. He gave him a nine, but Father Chris suspected that perhaps Father Sean may have had some unacknowledged assistance. Um, so we're going to see whether or not Father Chris has the same challenge. <laughs> okay, Father I'm Chris. No so basically you're saying we hope his internet works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Father Chris, just so you'll know, to give you a little bit of help in preparing your answer, this week on Pop Quiz Hotshot, Father Sean will be giving you the style score, a 1 to 10, on, on how stylish your answer is. I'll be looking at the accuracy score to see whether or not you're giving our, our listeners an accurate answer. And Father Jerry, who is the king of real life, will be giving you a real life score. Remember that your answer ought to help our listeners apply the question and the answer to their real life. So, with all that in mind, Father Chris, are you ready? No pressure at all after all of that. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, here's the question on today's Pop Quiz Hot Shot segment. Father Chris, what are the three offices or munera that fully initiated Christians are expected and gifted to participate in? The three munera. The three munera. So the triplex munera, as it would Ooh. be in Latin. Throwing out a little oh. bit of Latin there. In which we share as Christians. Now, Father Allen, I'm going to ask you a little question back. I assume you mean this, the triplex mooner that we share and because of the nature of our baptism and confirmation? Yes, the question actually read that fully initiated Christians are expected and gifted to participate in. So yes, fully initiated Christians. Fully initiated Christians. That's perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and I'm already losing some style points here. <laughs> So I'm pretty pretty sure what you're asking me to participate in and what you're asking with the triplex munera, I'm stalling, can you tell, is the that of priest, prophet, and king. Mm. And mm -hmm. that we that we live that out because of our baptism. We even hear that in the rite of baptism. We also hear that in the rite of confirmation that leads us towards that. So we're called to participate in all that. Now, some of our viewers might also understand that there are, there's the three munera in which the bishop has, which is that of teaching, that of sanctifying, and that of governing. But that ultimately leads back to that same part of priest, prophet, and king. That's just a different way of saying that, of sanctifying, of governing, of teaching. Um because all of those things are, are connected. And of course, we get all of those things because of our sharing in the baptism of Christ, because we're then joined to the body of Christ through our baptism. And it's completed, it's expected of us when we are confirmed. And then when we complete our sacraments of initiation by drawing forth to the Lord's altar and being fed by his body and blood. How's that sound? Nice. Nice. So very well read. <clears throat> so you didn't <laughs> read. <laughs> <laughs> I was staring out the window thinking so hard about this. Well, so before we go to our scores, let's just point out that Father Chris, Father Chris did not need to phone a friend um, and that he didn't use any lifelines. 
So, um, you know, his answer, at least as much as we can tell from where we are, are his true answers. So I will give you kudos for that. Uh, before we look at how accurate your answer was, let's go to Father Sean, who's at our Vatican U Research Labs in Blue Grove, Indiana, using connecting to us with a tin can and a spring string, so his internet isn't perfect. Father Sean, what is his style score for this week's Pop Quiz Hot Shot? Okay, before I give a score on this, I just want to point out that as soon as Father Chris started answering the question, our vicious security dog here at the <laughs> uh, research labs decided that he was going to bark at some attack squirrel out in the yard. So I kind of missed a little bit of it, but I heard <laughs> I heard enough of it to be able to render a score. The good news um, is he was he was barking at the bird so it wouldn't land on your tin string, uh, your string connecting it to the internet. Yeah, yeah, he was. He, this security dog definitely protects the research labs as Eamon and I are working on a secret project to be unveiled. Um, for the for the style, I would say that um, it definitely had that great Catholic, uh, you know, not fashion forward style, but a traditional Catholic style, using a Latin phrase to kind of show it, it's mm. connecting with the tradition. Talking about the Latin phrase, uh, connecting it in with um, with how we have it in in English, and then showing some other connections with it. So I would say for style, I would give um, I give it a solid eight. And the reason that I wouldn't give it a little bit higher than that is um, there seemed to be a lot of sort of floundering right at the very beginning. But I could be wrong on that because I was trying to silence the dog. But I give it an eight, maybe eight and a half. Well, he, you know, he might have got a better score if we had the video feed because, you know, Father Chris is always working with that giant lighted orb. And so maybe he was fumbling with the lighted orb, and that's that's where the fumbling was. But eight and a half from our from our style judge. I've, I've got accuracy this week, and, and I'm going to give Father Chris a nine on accuracy. I really, really appreciate it, especially the link in between the fullness of those gifts with the bishop and the, the share or participation that we all have as fully initiated Catholics and how those lined up, I thought that was that was almost extra credit. So, Father Chris, on accuracy, I'm going to give you... Actually, yeah, I'm going to change that. I'm going to have to give you a 10. There's just there's nothing oh. in terms of accuracy that I think you left out. I just... Wow. Yeah, that's good. But Very now impressive. we get down to... Yeah. So now we get to the real life... Wait, one of them one of my prisoners named Carl said that we would never give a 10 out on the show. He challenged us on that. So I guess, I guess Carl's been proven wrong. That's right. I, you know, I, I hate to say that Father Chris was perfect, but honestly, as I was asking to myself, I couldn't think of anything that he could have added that would make it more accurate. And that's a 10, right? Yeah. But here's, the, here's where the rubber meets the road. Mm -hmm. Father Jerry has this week's real-life score. And so he's going to evaluate Father Chris's answer in terms of helping our listeners do something with this in real life. Father Jerry, what do you got? Well, Father Alan, you say that I'm the king of real life, and I don't know what you mean by that, but I'll take <laughs> that title with, with a grin on my face. I think in real life we need things um, summed up well and, and packaged well for us, and I think Father Chris did a great job of uh, packaging up the, the triplex Munera as... Uh, he introduced to us and explaining very well. And, and like what you said, Father Allen, the connection between uh, that role that the bishop has and what we share as the faithful 
Father Chris did a very good job of of packaging that up and helping it to to be receivable. I think and and to you know somebody can can walk away with oh yeah okay so I'm connected with the bishop in this way too. So I think Father Chris did an excellent job, and because he did an excellent job, the real life score I'm going to give him a nine point five. Nice nine point five. So as Eamon cues up our theme music, I'm going to do the math, and you guys know I can't add to save my life. But I think that means that he, Father Chris earned a 28 out of 30. Is that right? Yes. Eight and a half, nine and a half, and 10 is 28 out of 30. Very good job, Father Chris. Thank you. Yeah. Woohoo, Father Chris. <clears throat> Yay, Christopher. <laughs> You know, these Mooner are really beautiful things that sometimes fade into the background uh, for practicing Catholics as they grow into their adulthood because they may not have heard about it since uh, since their confirmation. But, you know, it's important, I think, for every practicing Christian to step back and say, today, how am I spreading God's word as a prophet? Or um, how am I helping to bring others to Christ or bring bring God to others as a priest? Or how am I using the power I've been given to serve those around me as a king? And and um, I think it'd do us all well to think about these three things on some sort of a regular basis. Um, Father Chris, tell us a little more before we head out of this segment. Just tell us a little more about that connection between the offices that we all have and the fullness of those offices with the bishop. Well, again, we're connected because of we're all members of the body of Christ. And, of course, the bishop represents in the most full way in his diocese, Christ the head, you know, the head of the body. So, of course, the head can't do something without the parts of the body. So when we think about, well, what are we supposed to believe? The bishop will teach us. He'll instruct us. He'll he'll tell us what sound doctrine is. That's where we have bishops telling us things about, you know, participation in groups that might support things that we don't want to support as Catholics and kind of give us warming things about uh, research or those kinds of things. But our extent, you know, is to teach people around us, not just, you know, instruct, you know, well, let's stand out on the street, on the street corner and tell people what the Catholic church thinks, but, you know, teach through our actions, teach our children in the domestic church, um, and things like that. You know, the, those roles of sanctifying, we're supposed to make the world holier by us being in it. We're supposed to govern the church's goods in a way that lead us to him. So, you know, all of those things are participation in that with the bishop. As as we've we've talked about before on the show, and as I'm sure we all know, yeah, that's it's like a nice connection between you know we all share in the kingly office. The bishop has the fullness of governing, or you know, so that's that's really nice. I really appreciate you making that connection. I think that's something we could all use. Uh, we are most welcome, Father Allen. And I'll just mention that last little part that I I realize now. You said I know you can handle it, and that's because you and I basically did confirmation retreats on this exact topic for years and years and years. So I almost thought it can't be that easy. Is that really what he's asking me? <laughs> I may have thrown you a softball, maybe not, but you know, you're having a rough day, so hey, I'll I'll take it. <laughs> awesome. Well friends, you're listening to Vatican New Radio. Check us out at breadboxmedia.com. We'll be right back. Sweet tea homemade wine. Where the peaches grow.
Welcome back, friends. You're listening to the Realizing the Mystery edition of Vatican U Radio on breadboxmedia.com, your care to share station. We're headed into the real life segment where we'll continue our discussion about the second chapter of Sacrosanctum Concilium, where we've uh, already been looking at paragraphs 47, 48. We'll continue this. We'll try to add uh, a little bit more of our own thoughts and feelings, I guess. Would you guys say thoughts and feelings if, uh, you know, when we talk about the Eucharist here? You always told me that I didn't have feelings. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you certainly had two. It's very... (laughs) Is hungry a feeling? Well, of course it is. Okay, because I I feel hungry sometimes. (laughs) As a matter of fact... You said something about chicken nuggets in the previous segment, and that made me feel really hungry. Yeah, I haven't had lunch yet. I'm hungry, too. Okay. Anyways, yeah, well, real about life. this real-life segment. <laughs> <laughs> real life, Father Sean, real life. All right. All right, I'm focused. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Folks, we're so sorry. Well, let's, let's jump to the, Well, I'll just jump in at the and look at the end of paragraph 48, and I keep... This is a beautiful sentence. I'm just going to read this last sentence of paragraph 48 again. Through Christ, the mediator, they, and that would be all of us, right? All of us who are with devotion and full collaboration doing our part in this great mystery. We should be drawn day by day into ever more perfect union with God and each other so that finally God may be all in all. I think one of the things in a real life way that we could all do is as we're coming to the liturgy, as we walk into the church, as we bless ourselves with the holy water and remind ourselves of our baptism, I wonder what would happen in our experience of these mysteries and actually realizing these mysteries if we were intentionally trying to do all of that in more perfect union with God and each other. You you know, I think sometimes we can fall into this God and me relationship. And, you know, of course, we believe in a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. We know that he knows and loves each of us personally. But I wonder what would happen when we approach the sacraments if we could be more focused on letting them build union between ourselves individually and God and with each other. And the way the Council Fathers say that, they seem to be telling us that that's the key to letting God become truly our everything. God becomes all in all. And I certainly know as a priest, I could do a better job of in preparation for Mass, not just thinking about the part that I've got to do and not just thinking about how much I need God to love me, but you know, I could, I could think more about my relationship with everybody else gathered there. And I think that's something everybody could do. Well, Pope Francis is talking about that when he says, you know, uh, he's encouraging this um, this moment of encounter. You know, he, he talked a lot about this this encounter um, in some of his speeches and uh, addresses that he's made since he's been in the United States. And I think, Father Allen, that's exactly what you're getting at. We encounter the living God in the mystery of the Eucharist. And then we receive that mystery into our very selves, into our beings. And then we are called by receiving that mystery to encounter everybody else, bring them into that mystery, and be part of that mystery with them together. And it really requires, um, I don't know, what did John the Baptist say? A decrease in self and increase in God, you know? Yeah. And that's the beauty of, of our faith. And Pope Francis is nailing it on the head, I think. He is. Well, I don't know, guys, but I'm kind of struggling a little bit with the phrase that God may be all in all. I don't know if that is kind of a looser translation into the English of something in Latin, but 
while it certainly has a poetic catch to it, kind of struggling with what exactly does it mean? And I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I'm just kind of throwing that out there as that God may be all in all. Are we talking about something that, you know, misconstrued into pantheism? I, I don't know. I just, I'm more of a sort of Thomistic laid on real clear language, less about the sort of the poetic ways of writing it. But it, it's a phrase that it's a little difficult for me. You know, I, I don't have the text in Latin in front of me, and, and maybe while we're talking, Father Chris is certainly a bigger Latin scholar than I am and might be able to look at that. I'll tell you how I've read it, and, and that's why I gave that, that footnote. I may be missing the interpretation completely, but to me I read it as so that finally God may be everything. Um, he, he may be our all. He may be the all um, that we're doing. You know what I mean? It's like the, that moment when we are so united with with God that everything that we've brought to the celebration of the liturgy and everything that we're sent out from the liturgy to do can be truly and most completely united in God. But but I will I will confess that's just that's just my looking at the English language. And you're right, that's a tough phrase. It is. Say Father Allen, just I actually had a different resource open for for various reasons. And actually in the blessing of oils and chrism, which mm-hmm. I decided to look at you know, as a as a reminiscent of the retreats we had done, actually at the very end of the blessing of the oils and chrism, the 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 prayer ends like this. It says, "Above all, Father, we pray that through this sign of your anointing, you will grant increase to your church until it reaches the eternal glory, where you, Father, will be the all in all, mm. together with Christ your Son." So, you know, since we've talked about those principles of the law of praying as the law of belief. Looking even at the prayer, I think we can even glean a little bit from there, that if we're asking that God the Father will be the all in everything, I don't think we're looking, you know, saying, well, God become, you know, make us pantheists or, you know, be in everything so much as that you are what's important in everything we do. That's that's how I kind of take that from that prayer. Yeah. But I'm I'm now pulling up the Latin and let's see what kind of things I can do in, in short notice here. Sure. But you know, even even looking at that reference, and that's a good cross reference, Father Schlein, does that does that give some thoughts to you on on how we and our listeners might might try to live that in a real life way every day? Yes, certainly it does. I think that I think the the delicate balance is the trying to find the clarity in the language, mm-hmm. and and then trying to explain things deeper. So we're you know in a real life practical example here. That's what we're always doing in the churches try to understand when we see how other things shed light on it and that things aren't understood in an abstract. If you just take this one phrase, you lift this, it's mean, well, we're always going to other sections of teaching and seeing how they mutually enrich each. We do that with scripture. Uh, we do it with the teach of the church. So the phrase, uh, it's, it's not one of my most favorite phrases, but certainly when we see it in light of other teachings of the church, we can, we can uh, we can see what the church is getting at in that phrase. Yeah, that's good. And you know, you're pointing out that what we're doing right now and trying to understand that better is itself an expression of a real life thing that we can all do. You know, we can we can look to other sources of teaching. We can talk to it with one another, with our friends, and and wrestle with it and know the boundaries. Right? We know we're not pantheists, and and ask God to through that process give us deeper meaning. Yeah, we we've got to get to Absolutely. our last. We've got to get to our last word segment so that we don't keep our listeners longer than their charity will <laughs> will give us. The, <laughs> if they've made it this far, we ought to be charitable and finish up on time. Uh, this week, uh, 
I've got the first last word, you know, and you're listening to four priests who each like to have the last word, and we try to make that possible in each of our shows. I want to focus just a little bit uh, right before that sentence where it talks about in the liturgy that we should all learn to offer ourselves. And we've already mentioned that that talks about that we're united together and the priest in the offering of the priest who has united himself uh, to the offering of Christ. And I I just want to, for my last word, recall something that Father Sean's mentioned in this show and previous shows where the priest says, you know, as he's offering the, the, the gifts, my sacrifice and yours. And and my last word then is for all of us to make sure that we're living a lives of spiritual and real sacrifice and that we actually carry those with us to the altar of God so that can be joined of the gifts that the priest offers and ultimately that the Christ offers the Father that becomes the true worship that is worthy of the creator of heaven and earth. So there's my last word. Father Chris, what's your last word for today's show? I think my last word is going to go back to... <laughs> What you said at the very beginning, Father Allen, in your little commentary before the two-minute drill, that, you know, I think it's important that we not be strangers or silent spectators, but especially to this document. So maybe my last word is, you know, for those of us who've been taking time out of your day to listen to us, look this up. Read chapters 47 through 49. Actually engage this yourself. Don't be a stranger with this document. Don't be a silent spectator to the nonsense that we've been going through today, but actually engage this stuff and see how beautiful it is for yourself. Very good. Father Jerry, what's your last word for today's show? I want to go back to what I was saying about encounter, because that really is, uh, it's been on my mind and my heart since I heard the Holy Father mention it, and this really gets to it. We encounter the living, resurrected Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. And that is what changes us. He is the one who comes into those broken places in our life and our hearts, and, and he mends all that together. And we can only encounter him if we enter into that, that mystery. So encounter him, allow him to do what he's coming to do, and, and then allow that to, to help motivate and move us outside of ourselves and into that communion of, of persons that is the church and the world. Very good. Let's see, Father, who has the last word? I just forgot it. Who hasn't gone yet? Father Sean. Oh, Father Sean, you have the last, last word. Uh, Father that'd Sean? be me. Yeah. What's your last word on <laughs> today's right. show? I want to focus on just a small part of one of the sentences that in the, in the mystery of the Eucharist, we also receive a pledge of future glory. You know, there are so many times that we can really get beat down in our life and struggle with stuff and 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 really face kind of the challenge of even getting through the day sometimes. Um, but in the Mass, Christ gives us a pledge of future glory. Not not a glorification of ourselves, but a re uh, a redoing of all of creation, the heavenly Jerusalem. And we find that in the Mass, and that gives me great hope. And I hope it others that same that same feeling of hope in in Christ. Very good, brothers. Thanks for another great show. I hope uh, our listeners have enjoyed it as much as I have. I uh, I haven't laughed I as hard as I laughed um, between our third and fourth segment all week. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh Lord, I appreciate the good laugh, Father Chris. Will you give us your uh, blessing so that we can depart uh, in good in uh, in the love of Christ? Absolutely. Let us pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, draw us day by day into a more perfect union with Christ our head and our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Transform us into the likeness of Christ your Son and give us a share in his royal, priestly, and prophetic work, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And with your spirit. Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, that's been this uh, Realizing the Mystery edition of Vatican U. Want to join us for our conversation? Search for the Vatican U Show on Facebook or find our blog at vaticanuradio.blogspot.com. In either of those places, you can post your comments, share your questions, and be a part of our weekly walk through the teachings of the church. Thanks for being with us this week, for dealing with our tin can string internet connections. We look forward to seeing you next week, and we'll talk about some of these decrees that come from this beautiful meditation on the Eucharist. God bless and keep praying.